Hello folks, welcome back. I'm your host Simon Ward and this is our weekly High Performance Human podcast. This podcast and my website and my regular newsletters all focus on the goal of helping you to achieve peak human and athletic performance by interpreting the science and then translating it into easy to understand lessons. If you enjoy this podcast, I've created a membership program which allows me to provide more in-depth, exclusive content and programs so that you can take your performances to the next level. And at the end of the episode, I'll explain about these benefits in more detail and let you know how you can join our growing tribe. Today, I'm joined by Tim Lloyd, founder of Always Aim High Events. As several years ago, I participated in the first ex-terror event to be hosted in the UK at Minehead in Devon, and I thoroughly enjoyed my day out. And so it's always been a surprise to me that this format of triathlon has never really taken off in the UK, as it's really, really popular in the United States and Europe. You probably know Always Aim High for their adventure triathlon series comprising events such as the Slateman, Snowman and Sandman in North Wales. And this year, they've taken over the Xterra license and will be promoting the event for many years to come, hopefully, at Western Park in Shropshire. So, to talk about this and their other events, let's get cracking and hear from Tim. Welcome to the show, Tim Lloyd. Thank you very much. It's a pleasure to, to be with you. No, and to you, Tim. Um, thank you. Thank you for being here. So, um, uh, the real reason I got in touch is because I see that your company, Always Aim High Events, are promoting Xterra Triathlon this year. Um, and it's it's not the first time it's been in the UK, but I think there's been a bit of a gap between this one and the last one, and it's never really taken off like it has in the US and the Europe. And I did one years ago in Minehead. I think it was probably oh. the first time they brought one to the UK, and I loved it. And I thought, this is a fantastic format. People are always complaining about motorists and riding on the road. And then when you give them the chance to go off-road, they don't take it up. So um, I'd be really interested to chat about that. But before we get on to that, let's let's talk about you, how you got into triathlon and um, some of the other events you put on, like the Snowman and the Sandman and all those events in North Wales that people might be familiar with. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. So, um, right. Well, how do I go into triathlon? I, I, t- to be honest, I'm not a triathlete. Okay. So let's, we got, we got to sort of start at that point. I, my, uh, my experience of triathlon is, is 95% as, as an organizer, not as a competitor. Although, you know, I've done a few triathlon events, but, but, but I'm by no means a triathlete. Uh, my background was in ski racing. So I was a ski racer. Um, uh, and I'd, I'd probably say that ski racing was my big sport. So I, I competed, you know, internationally. I was on the British ski team. I went to the Olympic games in 92, Wow. I was on the coaching staff. I was uh, for for the team, so I, so I gave up ski racing, became a ski coach, coached the national team. That's when I when I went to the Olympics in '92. I was on, I was actually on the coaching staff, um, but um, but but that took me probably you know, that was the first sort of ten years of my sort of late teens and and, and to mid twenties, um, and alongside that, I was a very keen fell runner. So my my father, my, I grew up at Penna Pass, which is you know, virtually halfway up Snowdon. Yeah. And my dad, with two other friends, founded the Rory Harriers Running Club, which is probably the, the Wales's oldest fell running uh, club. Um, and so, as a kid, you know, I was dragged up the mountains running, um, you know, against my against my will, you know, kicking and screaming. Mm-hmm. I don't think it did me any harm, to be honest. It was it was it, what it was. It, it was a great way to to keep fit for ski racing, which is where my my passion was. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that was very briefly about about my sort of sporting background, but I um. 
I, went, I got into event organizing um, when I was in my 20s. So, so as part of, of this Riri Harry's running club setup, my dad was was also a fell race organizer. He, he, he was involved with the Snowdonia Marathon, uh, which is a road race. He, he was involved with the Snowden race for, for many, many years. In fact, mm-hmm. my, dad, my, my dad is still the president of the Snowden race, believe it or not. Um, and he was also um, the organizer of the Welsh 1000 meter peaks race, which is like one of the, the oldest fell races in Wales, certainly. It's, it's over, I think it's over 50 years old now. Um, so I kind of was was also sort of always involved in some way in event planning. So um, when I gave up ski racing, I got involved in athlete management. When I, or when I left the skiing scene and I left the ski coaching scene, I got involved in, in athlete management and we were just chatting there about, about Mark Laithwaite. Uh, mm. uh, so, so I basically created um, an adventure racing team in the UK and I pitched it to Salomon. Um, basically, I, it, it was a bit of a blag, if I'm being totally honest. So I, so I pitched to Salomon <laughs> that, I, that I, had this, I had this crack team. And this is back in the late 90s and um, when, when there was quite a lot of money sort of sort of you know out there. Mm. These big, brand, big brands were, were, were sort of bringing athletes together and creating these you know to do these amazing things it was all as a marketing exercise really um so so i pitched this to salomon and they actually went for it um this was salomon not in the uk but salomon um in annecy you know sort of international Mm -hmm. so so basically we created a a, an adventure racing team which is called team sarb salomon and it was basically made up of 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 british fell runners um so on the time you know at the time we had you know likes of mark and and a few of the davis brothers nikki was there um steve steve birkinshaw morgan donnelly we have ben bars who's on there you know right from the beginning so so lots of sort of really good um fell runners but also you know extremely good um multi-sport athletes mm-hmm. and this is what led to always in high because as part of that program that we did with, with with salomon which which lasted about 12 or 13 years you know i was lucky enough to travel literally all over the world and we went everywhere you know it was all funded by salomon and it was a great experience for those guys who were competing because they competed on a world stage. And we also got into, into doing big trail events. Uh, so Rob Jeb won the World um, Sky Running Championship. Um, mm-hmm. Simon Booth, uh, Nick Sharp, you know, the, the, the three of them, they, they got top three in the World Sky Running Championship in, 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 uh, in the early 2000s. Um, so we were competing right at the very top and it was brilliant. So the results we were getting were incredible. Because those guys were incredible athletes, mm-hmm. uh, fell, fell runners, you know, they're just a, a, amazing athletically. They're incredible, aren't they? But but probably like the unsung, unsung heroes of of, of mm-hmm. the athletic world. So it was brilliant. It was great that you know that, that we did that work. But it was that that led to always in high because I was organising fell races back in the UK, um, and obviously totally voluntarily. Um, and they were very, very traditional. And what, what mm-hmm. I saw when I travelled with the world with it, with the Saab Salomon team was these sort of continental style events, which were very different to what I was familiar with back 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 home. So, um, so the idea of, of initially originally was was to put on a, 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 a triathlon in my home village, which is which is Lamberis, um, and to call it a slate man triathlon because of the slate quarries, uh, and. Uh, but I, but I wanted to do more than just having like a, a triathlon race. It was going to be more of a, like a festival type thing, something very similar to what I'd experienced uh, on the adventure race scene. And that's and that's where it all started. So so um, I sort of pitched it to a mate of mine, uh, Nigel Kendrick, who then said, "Yeah, I really like the idea." And and so the two of us together 
sort of set up the Ozim High Events Limited Company. Um, we in in our first year, which is which is 2011, we delivered the Slate Man and the Sandman Triathlon. Uh, and the idea behind it was to put on triathlon events in North Wales to showcase North Wales and try and bring people in from all over the, the UK um, to support the local economy. It was we we sort of set up this tourism business. Uh, and, and you know it's, it it really worked it captured the imagination so we put on we had live music at the events we had you know local sort of local food markets and you know all these different kind of things very similar to what I'd experienced that you know overseas and we delivered it in North Wales and it was quite different to, to you know to the traditional sort of triathlon events that, that um, um that had been that that were being delivered elsewhere, and people really liked it. And of course, you know, they were in beautiful locations. So Slate Man's in Llanberis, you know, it, it's at the foot of Snowdon. Mm-hmm. The Sand Man's on a, this incredible beach on Anglesey. Then we added lots of other events to to the to the to the portfolio, and that's where it's grown. And that's kind of what, I suppose where has led us to to Exterra, which we're going to do this year for the first time. I was involved with the first. Ironman event in the UK, the official Ironman event, which which was in Lambaris. It was, yeah. Yeah. And um the first one actually finished, started there and then finished in Carnarvon, right underneath the castle. Yeah, I remember I this that. I remember, remember this hilarious moment when there was an ambulance trying to get somebody out and he got stuck under the finishing gantry. There were people coming towards the finish and having to squeeze past the ambulance to get across the finishing line and they couldn't get it out. And the more the ambulance tried to move, the more the finishing gantry moved. And it was just um yeah. it was both funny and uh and a, and a bit sad really but um and then the next year we had uh we had a finish in Lamberis town center but you had to run up and down penny pass right to the top to, to the yeah. um to the youth hostel and then turn around and come back down and i remember uh i was riding the um mountain bike ahead of the lead female and you know, I was thinking, God, their legs are going to be sore tomorrow after running all the way down this road at full yeah, pelt. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, I think I think you had a home victory that year because I think Richard Jones might have won that one. Uh, okay, yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah. It was a long yeah, time but, ago, now, long time. Yeah, ago. well, it is. It's I think it was two thousand and one and two thousand two, and it was sad really that they moved it away from there and down to Sherborne, which was a great venue, but yeah. uh, I'll have a lot more driving for me to get there from Yorkshire, <laughs> um, and nowhere near. And and whilst the castle was there, it was nowhere near as picturesque as um, as North yeah. Wales. And that that route that we went that went down Beth Gellert through Beth Gellert and up Penny Pass and yeah, yeah. Capel Curig and down was. Um, was great and I, I mean that's very similar to your um that's what slate, slate man route yeah. isn't it slate man routes are pretty much the same the, the difference is you know the run is in the quarry you know we've, yeah. we've tried to, yeah. and, and that's recently been designated a, a world heritage site which is fantastic really because it is quite unique you know the mm-hmm. slate quarries in Flamberis are amazing so um so yeah so it's very similar to the iron man but with a different run not any easier the run up the quarries is is bloody hard mm. Well, I remember the first yeah, yeah. we stayed we stayed in the hotel at the bottom of the at the bottom of the pass there, you know, the big white one just overlooks the oh, lake. Yeah, the, the, the Royal Victoria Hotel in San Mary's. Yeah, yeah, and and we and um because we wanted to keep everybody in one spot, that was the first one we took everybody. Jack Maitland, who was my business partner then, yeah. uh, obviously an accomplished fell runner and probably yeah. pals with all of those guys you mentioned. Jack, Jack yeah. took everybody on a run through the slate quarry. They all came back for dinner, absolutely exhausted, trying to keep up with him while Jack was running backwards <laughs> and sort of talking to them all about their, their running and showing them how to go down the, the slate and everything and the scree. Yeah. Oh, okay. um, I, I also remember that lake being incredibly cold, even in the middle of summer. Yeah, it is. It's deep. It's very deep. The lake, it's in Paddon in St. Mary's. That's why it, it is quite cold. Yes. Yeah, because of the depth. But a beautiful lake to swim in. Really nice lake to swim in. Yeah, yeah. And 
you know, you talked about um, those fell races, you know, pay a pound, yeah. come along, run up and yeah. top and down and then get a cup of tea or a pint at the end and that's it and everybody's happy. And um, yeah. you, you mentioned some of those fell runners. I've been skiing with some of them and yeah. um, not not Rob Jeb, but Rob's brother, Andy, right. uh, I was with last week. And um, I mean, those guys are all good skiers as well. So it's that yeah. sort of whole mountain sort of lifestyle, isn't it, really? Um, yeah. Yeah. And... Uh, but and I've interviewed Andy Peace for this podcast because and Andy still holds the the um, running record for the Yorkshire Three Peaks twenty five years on, which is incredible, really, when you think of some of the athletes that, yeah. that have competed at that level. And yet, and and I know Alistair Brownley sort of started off with Bingley Bingley Harriers as well, which has got a great fell running yeah. pedigree. And it always intrigues me this dichotomy between triathletes who've got to have all the gadgets and you know if the watch isn't started and the satellites aren't aligned and it doesn't go on Strava whereas fell runners are like they don't they're not bothered about watches and Strava and gadgets are they they just want to go and run up and down and get a bit muddy um and I wonder if your events sort of like bring the two (laughs) bring bring those two sort of um populations together and it's a bit of a strange mix yeah in some ways i mean some of the like people if some of those fell runners you know if they came to, to do our triathlons they would probably win or they'd be certainly mm. right up there you know with mm. with the leaders um but they are like it's worlds apart isn't it and and yeah. and it's, it was always one of my concerns actually when i when i started putting on commercial events you know back in you know i'm talking like sort of 13 14 years ago now um especially in somewhere like north wales in snowdonia um there was, you know, I was always very, very careful to set ourselves sort of apart from the local fell running scene because what I didn't want to do was was to compete with the local fell mm. running scene. And you know, there were people, plenty of people out there who thought it was going to have a negative impact on, you know, on other well-established local events. But actually, you know, looking back over the years in hindsight, what it has done is we've got a lot a lot more people by putting on new events and different events mm. what you do is you 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 reach out to new people and we you know we spend a lot of money on marketing these days and it gets a lot of people into this into the sport regardless of what the sport is if it's triathlon or fell running it gets people in and, what, and so what we've seen is a growth in in participation mm. across the whole sector which is brilliant you know because obviously it you know that impacts on you know the health of the nation getting people outdoors enjoying you know being fit and healthy and, and in the mountains and that's you know that's a really nice thing to see and, and and a nice thing to be a part of and let's say you know it's nice that we haven't you know ultimately ne- there was never any ne- negative impact it was a positive impact but, do, you, um, do you do you find that the sort of triathletes that come along are the sort of people who want to have all the fancy kit to do your races or are they yeah, more the yeah. are they more down to earth um hill people i'd say most triathletes are definitely much more sort of kit orientated than than your than your average fell runner mm. for sure you know and and it's uh it's it, i think it's part of the sport it's it's what people yeah. are attracted to as well as much as competing mm. so yeah no it's it's very it's very different mm. definitely yeah i um in fact I, I was when i was away skiing ian ferguson um i don't know if you know ian ian's one of the older guys in that ski group but he was a um t- you know, part of that whole Ian Holmes, Rob yeah. Jeb running group. And uh, I did the Yorkshire Dales triathlon, the very first incarnation. I think Harry War was the guy who, who and um, 
Maybe they said Dave Wormsley might have been involved in organising it, but I remember looking at the results and there was this guy called Ian Ferguson, Ferguson yeah. um, Rossendale Fellrunners. And I'm like, Fellrunner, it's triathlon. And yeah. when I was chatting with him about it, he said, oh, yeah. He said, I'm glad that the swim was in, it was in Semmerwater, which is right on the top of the Dales. And, uh, yeah. and then it was a series of one in four climbs, the first of which started about 50 metres after you got your wetsuit off. Yeah. And uh, he said, yeah, I wasn't very good on the swim, but it, it, it it was only short, so it didn't put me at a disadvantage. But once I got on the bike, and so they just that strength that they get oh, from yeah. running up and down hills translates, doesn't it? And most of these guys that I talk to, they they go out and run during the week at these local fell running competitions, and I think nothing of riding twenty miles there as a warm up on, yeah. on, on often on the cyclocross bike or the gravel bike. Yeah, Stop yeah. at the pub, run up and down the fell, have a couple of pints, and ride home. Yeah. And and but that's they don't consider that as training. That's just a means of transport to get them yeah. there because it's probably just as quick as it is going all the way around the roads. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you only go look at like something like Rob. You know, Jebby. You know, he was obviously like, world skyrim champion. You know, mm. probably one of the best fellows we've ever had in the UK. Mm. Well, not probably, definitely. But also, you know, he competed for Great Britain in cyclocross. So mm. you know, the crossover between running up mm. and down mountains and riding a bike. Yeah, it's it's clearly you know there's a, there's a real strong sort of link there, and probably much more than like running around around the roads on a flat, you know, running up and down hills. Yeah, is a uh, is 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 really good for for cycling too, and something like you know I don't know Ben Bars, you know, you know Ben, but you know he's, the size of his quads are enormous. You know, but essentially he's a, he's a fell runner, but he's also an incredible cyclist as well. Well, I think Andy Peace and Rob yeah. Jeb are the only yeah. two people who've held the record for the cyclocross and the Three Peaks Marathon in at yeah. the same time. Yeah. Um, out of all of those famous fell running names that yeah, you yeah. can pick that have that have won either of those events, so um, that's that's pretty impressive, isn't it? Um, yeah. I mean, Nikki Davis now she's world cyclocross champion for her age, you know, right? Masters, but she was like formerly she was British fell running champion, so. You know, it's like there's it, it, definitely, you know, if you're a good foul runner, then you're going to be a good cyclist if you put, you put your mind to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Seems like the two just go together. And I, and yeah. I think most yeah. of those, most of those folks also seem to just be robust physiques, don't they? They, they don't, not many of them have jobs where they're sitting behind a desk. They tend no. to be on their feet and outdoors. So you just build a robust framework and, and it seems to last, um, for a long time so you're probably still competing at a decent level in your 50s and 60s or or at least being able to be active to a decent level yeah 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 definitely mm. so yeah, it's um <laughs> your reputation is is quite high isn't it for events and but in a particular niche and so i like i like that idea that you've made it into a bit of a festival because it does seem to be like some of the things that i've seen in france and and austria where you've got yeah. music playing and there's beer on sale and everybody's getting yeah. involved in everything yeah, and it's more, you know, it's not just for the for the people who turn up for the race, but we try to create something for their families and their spectators and, and the local communities, you know, as well. So we get the you know, sort of local communities involved, you come down, you have local food sellers and all that kind of stuff. You know, it's really important and um and that's what creates that 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 atmosphere. Um there's lots, you know, there's lots of events out there now which are very similar. Um, but I think, you know, 10, 12 15 years ago there weren't many events like that so it was uh, we were we were there right at the beginning really of, of putting on those sort of different new style of events I, i'm i'm looking at your website and seeing some of the other things you've got you've got um triathlon adventure championships what what makes those differences is, is so, um, that it's all basically uh, so there's three races slate man sandman and snowman is what we call them 
Uh, oh, it's the whole series, right? Yeah, it's just yeah. the three of them, and um, and and they their adventure track. We we call it adventure triathlon because basically it's it's an off it's it's a it's um the the location. So they're in beautiful like natural outdoor environments, so nat- like national park type environments. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the swims in like either in a mountain lake or in the sea, uh, so it's like quite an adventurous swim. Uh, and the run element is always off road. So um, in like slate man's in the quarries in Llanberis. Sandman is around the um, the all the sand dunes and whatnot in in, in Ubra on Anglesey. And the snowman runs up and down Moel Shabod, which is essentially it's a fell it's a fell run up and down uh, Moel Shabod, which is a, a hill just at the back of Plaza Brennan in Capelkirig. Um So yeah, so that's why we call it adventure. It's got a much more adventurous feel than than like a city triathlon, which is obviously all on tarmac. Mm. Uh, or in a pool so um so yeah so we call that our adventure triathlon series we've got most of the stuff that we do is is in those sort of beautiful outdoor national parky environments which is why i think xterra probably was a, was a good fit for us mm. um because obviously xterra is an off-road triathlon that's you know that's essentially what it is a mountain bike triathlon um uh, and so yeah so so that's just something that we've been working on for a few years covid actually that you know that two years of doing not being able to deliver events gave us gave us the opportunity to to um to work on some new projects and next terror was one of those uh projects that we that we've put a lot of work into and we're delivering it this year for the first time i see you've also got the world's steepest street run in harlech <laughs> yeah so harlech triathlon that's that's a community event actually so, so some of our events uh we do is not for profit so that they're, they're community events and harlech is one of those so uh, we organize the harlech triathlon on behalf of the local community there and um, there was a there was a battle wasn't there a couple of years back about between a, a street in Harlech and a street in New Zealand somewhere in New Zealand I can't remember yeah yeah it. yeah it's New Zealand um, yeah yeah does it yeah and uh, and so we thought well while we're there for the Harlech Triathlon weekend let's put a race on up the world's steepest street which is what we've what what we've done I um, think I think yeah. they've I think they've sort of come to an agreement now that the reason what makes the uh, the Harlech one steeper is the the insides of the corners. Whereas if you took a straight line, the one in New Zealand right. actually has a steeper average gradient, doesn't it? Yeah. But um, yeah. and then but if you look on Global Cycling Network, I saw that they'd found this place in Italy that was even steeper than both right. of those, and it, it just yeah. looks it, even the video of it looks like you're yeah. climbing up a wall. You'd think that he'd need a rope to to pull himself yeah. up on it. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's all good fun, isn't it? Um, yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah. But Xterra, let's yeah. talk about Xterra, right? Okay. So let's just explain to people what Xterra is because um, it has been around a while. And of course, a bit like how people try to qualify to go and race in Kona for the Ironman World Championships, the holy grail for Xterra races is to go to race in Maui and, um, and do the yeah. World Championships there, which a couple of my friends have been to. And it's uh, it's a spectacular place to go. Mm. um but it's never really taken off in the uk so ex- explain what it is first and tell people if they enter your race in it's western park isn't it in may it? Yeah. um explain to people what they would experience if they come to that event as the event itself and uh, i.e the swim bike and the run and then it, and, and then what else is going alongside that sure yeah so um right so xterra but to begin with xterra is it's an off-road triathlon so essentially it's a swim bike run um but the um but it's all off road including including the the, the bike um so it's uh, basically essentially it's a mountain bike triathlon um the race distances we're doing sprint and standard um so sprint uh 750 swim uh 20k bike 5k run 
standard distance, which is Olympic distance, is, is twice that, essentially. Um, so that's what we're doing. Um, it's the first Xterra race in the UK for about seven or eight years. Um, and for some, we, we don't understand why Xterra has not really taken off in the UK. It's a good mm -hmm. question. And, and I don't, to be honest, I don't know the answer. I think it's probably, probably comes down to the way it's been marketed over the years, you know, in the US and in Europe. I mean, you know, if you think about ultra running and the whole ultra running scene, mm -hmm. we were, we were sort of slightly behind the curve on that as well. Um, you know, it, when I was think back to my Saab Salomon days, you know, ultra running, people wearing like you know, compression socks and that kind of thing, you know, you would never see a Brit in a pair of comp compression socks 20 years ago. But, you know, today you'll see lots of Brits in compression socks. But in France 20 years ago, everybody was wearing them. Do you know what I mean? So it's like it's it, it takes time, you know, in some ways to uh, for those kind of things to. It's to, funny, uh, isn't it, Harry? Yeah, it's funny how you say that ultra running didn't really take off because I know things like, um, well, the three peaks running in York yeah. is 25 miles. It's going to take yeah. the majority of people four or five hours. You've got the Borrowdale 30 up in the Lake yeah. District and a couple of those other great fail races oh, yeah. that are up there are quite long distance, but they're not they're not called ultra trail races, exactly. are they? Called, it's they're like called mountain marathons, whatever. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, so we've been doing it for years, haven't we? We've been doing it for years, uh -huh. but it's what I was saying about the way it's marketed and the way that what you call mm -hmm. it and, and how you communicate, you know, what it is that, that you're doing. Like calling something an ultra race. Well, of course we've been doing it for years. We've been doing, you know, my, you know, my dad organized. Say he's been organizing the Welsh Thousand Meter Peaks race for fifty years. Well, that's an ultra race. Well, what by the Bob Graham? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, but but you know, in the UK, I think I think it's probably is. You know, there's there's you know we're quite very tra traditional, aren't we? And and mm -hmm. you know, which is which is great, but but it takes us a while to to sort of buy into sort of new concepts and and, and change the way that, that that things are done. And I think it's probably a lot of it is driven by the brands, you know, by the, by the big brands in, in the industry, because that's how they make money. That's how they sell their running shoes. That's how they sell their kit is by making it cool and creating a cool sort of environment that people want to be a part of and a cool community that people want to be a part of. And, and so, yeah, it's just a huge marketing exercise at the end of the day. I mean, that's what, that's all adventure racing was. It was just a mm. way for, to get their name out there and get it, you know, sort of televised, you know, these ridiculous events that people would do. Well, sky sky running sounds sort of cool, doesn't it? Yeah, um, exactly. Versus yeah. versus a fell run. Yeah. Or yeah. a mountain a mountain marathon. Oh, mountain marathon. Yeah, but I'm not going to get a fast time at a mountain marathon. I'll just go and do the Manchester marathon. Yeah. Um, whereas a sky run sounds like more it's an adventure. Amazing, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. But it's essentially it's a fell run. That's what they're doing. But they're wearing a bit of lycra and they've got some, you know, some fancy kit on and a you know, it, it, you know that, that that's what it is. So a few, so, few so cowbells. Yeah, yeah. So X Terror. You, I come back to to the X Terror question. So it Western Park is in it's in Shropshire, which is right in the middle of England. So it's a you know it's a great location. And and we, the reason we that we're we're hosting it at, at Western Park is last year we we had we we uh, delivered a triathlon there for the first time. Uh, Western Park is it's a private um it's it's a private estate. Uh, so it's an, it's an old stately home estate. We've got some beautiful ground, huge, beautiful grounds. Um, during COVID, we were we, we were we were part of like an event organizers uh, mm -hmm. group with a British set up by British Strathlon, and and we went down um, to the Blenheim try because Blenheim was delivered as 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 one of the test events um, post COVID test events. So so a number of event organizers got got invited down, and we went down and, and observed. And it was just brilliant. I really liked that format of, you know, the private estate, you know, it, it was lovely. So, so 
I looked for a, you know that kind of location nearer to home and, and Western Park. It's only it's only about an hour and a half from 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 where we are. Um, so so that's how that that's how we sort of set up that that relationship there. Western Park's where they delivered the V Festival. They 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 and they deliver some other music festivals down there. There's one called Bestival. It's like a family festival. So so it's a really nice location. Used to delivering big events. Um, and so we did our triathlon there last year. This uh, and and then that was such a success that we thought, well, you know, this is this could be a really a good location for Xterra. So we're building some dedicated mountain bike trails uh, on the site there. There's a 15k mountain bike uh, trail which is being which is being um, built at you know at, right at this moment because the event's in in May. Um, so um, so yeah, we're really excited for that. And then so so the Xterra race on the Saturday and on the Sunday. We're delivering um, the regular triathlon, so like the tarmac triathlon, if you like, mm-hmm. on Sunday. But and that's been that's also been successful in 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 hosting one of the British triathlon's major events this year. So we're delivering a world championship qualifying event on the Sunday at Western Park as well. That'll be a sprint distance race. So it's going to be a really busy weekend. There's going to be loads going on. You know, it's, again, like this sort of festival feel. Um, a great event to spectate because it's a lapped course, which means mm. you, know, that you can come along. You can, if you're not racing, you can come along and, and just watch. It'll be really exciting. Um, so, so yeah, we're we're really looking forward to it, and we've built a great relationship actually with Xterra. So, Xterra is a brand. It's a global brand. Um, they deliver races all over the world, as you say, with the you know the World Championship final, and um, and we you know we we built this relationship with them. We also deliver an Xterra trail running event now as well. Uh, which is in Snowdonia, um, and you know, it's, I think it's something that you know, it's a very bright f- future for for Xterra, and we're we're really you know, sort of glad to be working with the brand. Well, I I really do hope it takes off. You know, as I say, I I, I did one of the very first Xterras in this country in in uh, um, Minehead, and I loved it. I thought yeah. it was just such a cool a cool race to do, and uh, I thought this is brilliant. This this format's really going to take off, and then then it just didn't, and. Um, as I say, you know, people always complain about how dangerous it is on the roads, and then you give them an opportunity to to ride off road, and it's like, no, well, I don't want to do that. <laughs> um, but but maybe the upsur- uh, the the swing in in gravel gravel riding yeah, yeah, um, will um, will help with that. I, I I did have a question about whether people could ride gravel bikes on the course, or is it purely mountain bike? Uh, I should know the answer to that question, shouldn't I? <laughs> you and should. I and I actually don't, so I I apologise, but I'm sure the information's on the website. Well, I, I can well I can tell you actually because I wrote <laughs> to one of your colleagues because I was interested right. in doing the race, and I yeah. still am. And I and I wrote and said I don't I don't have a mountain bike, but I yeah. I do have a gravel bike. And I said, is it possible to do it? And um, yeah. the answer was yes. Now um, please yeah. feel free to come back and correct me if I've interpreted that wrongly. Listen, but, that, those guys know more about it than I do. They're the ones who are, who are doing all the work behind the scenes in, in organising the event. So yeah, that that. that I mean, what I do know, I've wrecked all the routes that, that in in Western Park, and it's certainly all rideable on a gravel bike. So it's 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 quite a fast route. There's some little technical, there's some technical sections. You know, it's quite. I'd say it's got quite a sort of cyclocross feel mm-hmm. uh, to the route. So it's quite you know, a little bit of wooded sections, and then there's some open fields and and some big gravel tra- trails, mm-hmm. and they're building some tra- sing, uh, some single tracks at the moment as well. So. Uh, and then there's going to be like A and B routes, so there's going to be little steep descents. But you can, if you don't like the descent, you can take a, you know, you can take a, a wider route and and that kind of thing. So it's going to be really, really interesting, but certainly rideable on on a gravel bike. And I would say, 
you know, faster on a gravel bike than, than on a mountain bike. Well, I can see on the downhill bits and on some yeah. of the bits that are a bit yeah. bumpy, the mountain bikers will be getting frustrated by being held up by yeah. a gravel biker. But then on the climbs and on the fast bits, they'll be yeah. uh, they'll yeah. be waving at each other again in the opposite direction. Yeah. Um, yeah. So well, you're gonna you coming to do it? Yeah, it depends whether I'm running again. I've I've right. sort of had a bit of a uh, an interrupted running um, few months. Um, but yeah, it's it's the sort of thing that I think will be really fun. So I'd love to I'd love to come down. I've got a free weekend that weekend, I think. So okay, possibly. Really? Yeah, yeah, maybe. Um I had a few more questions for you. Yeah. Let's talk about the state of triathlon generally in the UK. Right. Sure. I mean, you know, things are on the up. We had the Brownlee effect in twenty twelve, things have been growing ever since. But then we had COVID and everybody well. I have a lot of people in my in my subscription group and everybody was a bit frustrated, and he, um, obviously because they didn't have events and they had all this fitness and people started doing their own thing and doing fastest known times and finding their own little uh, challenges to do. Um, and But you would have thought that there would be all this pent-up enthusiasm after COVID for people to get back to racing. And it seemed like the end of 2020 or um, we, we had a little bit of that. But then 2021, it seemed to go a bit flat. I know a lot of people were saying – maybe with the exception of Ironman, but a lot of people saying, oh, I've, uh, numbers have been really hit. I know there was a lot of deferrals and um, yeah, I'm not sure. Um, I'm not sure whether that's whether things are picking up for, for this year or not. Um, how have you found it and what are your thoughts? But yeah, we're, we've, we've had a very similar experience to, to everybody else, as you say, with the exception of, of Ironman. I think, I think there's a, there's a combination of things which are affecting, you know, the sector, not probably not only triathlon, but across the event sector. And let's say we sit on a number of groups. Uh, and I, I know that things, even things like music events, festivals, that you know, everybody's affected. And it's, I mean, the cost of living crisis is 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 huge at the moment. And that's mm-hmm. something that we can't, you know, you, you can't, um, that, that, you know, you can't not account for that because our numbers, we, we've actually um, adjusted all of our target numbers down for, for, for this year. We think that 23 is going to be, you know, an exceptional year in terms of you know we're going to see fewer people than than we have in the past, uh, and so we that's what we planned for. Um, and I think it is a combination of you know rep- um, reputation post COVID. There was a lot of people who mm. event paid for events, you know, and then the events were cancelled and they lost their money. Yeah. So people, I think, have become like cautious. We you know, always in high events. We paid we paid refunds during COVID. We were one of the few event businesses that did that. You know, we are a we're very much a customer led um, organization. That's that's how we we operate. So, you know, where you know we 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 made our terms and conditions as flexible as as we possibly could, which did include you know refunds to people, um, and we we continue to operate in that way where we you know we try and get, give people the, the greatest amount of flexibility. I mean, there's a lot of events out there. You'll 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 you know you'll know about them who have very fixed terms and conditions. Mm which I think has made people nervous about events. And of course, you know, we're all kind of tarred with the same brush, aren't we? So, you know, it makes people, it's made people nervous about spending because triathlon events aren't cheap. You know, you're talking about for a standard distance triathlon, it's a hundred pound, isn't it? If you want to do a half iron distance, so we, we call it legend distance. We do, we do a legend distance at all of our events. You know, they're sort of, you know, getting on for 200 pound to, to do mm-hmm. a triathlon. It's a lot of money and it's a big commitment. And if somebody wants to race an Ironman and they're paying, you know, close to 500 quid for an event entry, then they're probably going to be selective about how many events that they do because mm-hmm. you, know, you can't afford to do too many events, can you, when you're spending 500 quid for an entry fee? So so we're being affected by that, definitely. Um, 
cost of living crisis, without a doubt, is affecting us. You know, co- post COVID, where people have kind of got, got out of the habit of of doing as much as they did previously, and it's going to take some time. You know, a longer period of time to recover from that. Uh, and uh, you know, and so all those things combined has made you know anybody who works in the event industry. You know, it, it's it's quite a, it's quite a challenging sort of workplace at, the, at this moment in time, and any event organizer will tell you the same thing. And of course, the other thing is actually, you know, event fatigue. There's so many events now for people to choose from. Mm. Fifteen years ago, and I when we when we were starting out, always in my events, there wasn't a great deal to choose from. But you know, people have thought, oh, I, you know, I could have a go at that. I can make some money putting events on, which is essentially what people are thinking. Um, so let's give it a go. And you know, there's you know, it gets to a point where there's there's too much, isn't there? There's just too much. And well, yeah. you know, uh, having been in the triathlon industry for you know well over thirty years now as a coach and a competitor, yeah. not as not as a race organizer, but as a coach educator as well. And and obviously, I know lots of people um, across the sport. Um, that first thing about coming into the sport to make money. Mm. always sort of fills me with a little bit of angst yeah Um, yeah. if that's your primary motivation is to come in and see it as a money-making opportunity whereas if somebody says well actually you know i really want to i really want to do something for the community i want to do something to give back to the sport that i love i feel like there's there's a need there and then you know if you if you build a good reputation and people come back then yeah you can make it into a successful business but if you primarily see it as a money-making opportunity that's probably the that's probably the worst way to go into any profession and you know, like with most things, whether it's the internet or any other business, there's a growth. Um, lots of people come into the industry, as you mentioned, on the back of that growth. And then there are resets, aren't there? And in that reset, you tend to you tend to get rid of the um the weak the weaker ones, whether that's because they've got a weak business model or because they've got ulterior motives. And and hopefully then what's left is the strong, reputable brands. Mm-hmm. Um, that then can carry it forward, and maybe they soak up some of the other events that were good, you know, well-meaning events with a great idea, but just run the wrong way. And yeah, maybe yeah. you absorb some of those, and then, but there are other events that are on, and you think, well, why is this running? It's dangerous. It's in the wrong part of the world, yeah. and it's been run for the wrong reasons. So perhaps we shouldn't be having that. Yeah, it's been run by the wrong people. Yeah, no, definitely. You know, we've I've seen that over the years without without a doubt, and. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I remember going to the, some of those events. I've, I've yeah, seen. Yeah. I'm going to share a video for this one. I did it in yeah. Hunstanton in 1989, going into the sea yeah. by the seawall um, with the with the tide coming in, with the waves crashing in, with one safety boat, which was a kayak that couldn't launch because it was too rough, and people basically hanging onto the wooden groins, begging for help. Um, yeah. And yeah, they shouldn't have gone on, but uh, those sorts of events that were positively dangerous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah so, um, so I think that's you know, we're hopefully, you know, we're we're hoping that longer term things will pick up again. Mm. Yeah, you know, we really hope so because it's you know we, what we do. We you know we love what we do so much, and and you know we're so uh, passionate about it, and and we and we pride ourselves on, on you know what we deliver. And we know that people really enjoy, you know, coming to do the events and competing. They enjoy the experience. The feedback we get is incredible. Um, so we're just sort of, you know, working our way through. And and one of the things that's actually come out of COVID is, you know, there's a, there's a great deal more collaboration now, which is great, you know, between event organizers, people sharing best practice, sharing mm-hmm. ideas, you know. 
sort of bouncing ideas off each other that you know we sit on a number of, of, of these organizing groups in, including we, we sit on the um, sustainability commission at british triathlon now um which is really important because we're we're really sort of trying to change the way that events are delivered so that it mm-hmm. can be uh, more responsible you know t- t- in terms of the environmental impact that they have um, we, and we've we've introduced a you know a number of new initiatives that we're sharing with other event organizers to try and in, try and reduce the impact that events have because events can be like really really sort of impactful mm. environmentally when you think about the travel and the you know all the waste that are generated at events and, and, mm. and all that kind of stuff. so 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 there's lots of really good stuff that's going on and i think that is because covid did force like people together uh to talk more and to help each other out which you know Traditionally, that wasn't the case. You know, we, everybody was considered to be competitors, but now mm. you know, I think it's it's not quite viewed in the same way as it, as it was in the past. Coaches are still a bit like that, though. Yeah, it's, I think it's, it's, it's sort of human nature, isn't it? Really, do you know what I mean? When you're trying to sort of you know trying to make a living, and and there's and there's lots of other people trying to make a living doing the same thing. Then, and I've got obviously I've got the secret to being a good coach, so I don't want to share that with anybody <laughs> yeah. else. You know that that's <laughs> that 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 secret sauce that everybody thinks they've got, um, which doesn't yeah. exist. <laughs> um talking of talking of which um if somebody was thinking of doing this event but then they think well i uh i don't know i don't know if i do the right sort of training what what would they need to adjust about the preparations in order to be able to at least have a go at completing an exterra um but i'd say if if you're a regular triathlete and you and you want to get into exterra then get yourself get yourself a gravel or a mountain bike you know that's the, that's the first thing isn't it because you've got the skills you've got the strength you've got the fitness um and it's just sort of it's just branching out into doing something slightly different slightly different to what you already do and the biggest difference i mean you can run if you can run on road you can run off road um you might need some trail shoes that's all but um but the bike is 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 essentially is the biggest biggest difference so get yourself a mountain bike get yourself a gravel bike and get out there and and you know off the road and enjoy doing something different on a bike from from what you're you know what you've already done. There's there's loads of trail centres around the UK now. Like mm. pretty much wherever you live, you know, there's probably a trail centre twenty miles from from your house. I mean, dedicated, purpose built mountain bike trails and off road biking trails, which are absolutely brilliant fun. You know, I mean, whether you know, you're doing it to keep fit or not is 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 irrelevant in some ways because it's so much fun to ride a bike off road. So um, so that's that's probably what I say. Would pe- people would need to do in preparation is just to, just to do get a little bit you know of off road biking. Um, apart from that, you know, as long as you're maintaining your your, your training and your fitness, then and um, then that's fine. Probably what they should be doing is talking to somebody like you, <laughs> you know, getting a few tips from from a coach about you know what it is that, that, that they need to do to to perform at their best at an Xterra race. Do you know when I got my first mountain bike? Um, yeah. And people were saying, "Well, how, how much did you do at the weekend? Well, I did, I did uh, fifteen miles. Is that all? I still yeah. was out for three hours. It was really yeah, exactly, yeah. look at my heart rate. It was right up yeah. here. Well, what were you doing yeah. for three hours? Fifteen miles away. Well, the mud was six inches deep, and you, <laughs> you sort of um, you're struggling. But that after that winter of, of riding that, that was before they even got suspension on mountain bikes. So it was still it was essentially sort of like a small wheeled, yeah. uh, you know, um, little rally grifter or something <laughs> like a, um it's brilliant fun, isn't it? It's the kind of thing you can like if you if you're a family, you you know, you can do it with your kids, you can, mm. you know, you can all get involved in that. It's and it, and it, in many ways, you know, riding off-road, it's a lot safer than riding on the road, oh, isn't it? I, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. 
So, um, so it's you know, I would say there's a lot of good things going for for for, for getting a mountain bike or getting a gravel bike and getting off road because. You know, road riding these days. I mean, I you know, I'm a cyclist and I go out, you know, regularly on my bike and it's bloody scary, isn't it, sometimes? You know? Well, how many days do you come back thinking I, yeah. I could I, I nearly had a fight with that person or I nearly got knocked yeah. off there? And the oh, only yeah. time I've yeah. the only time I've nearly had a fight with somebody or an argument with somebody, and I can argue with anybody as people will testify to, but is yeah. is um is if somebody's let the dog off the lead and, and the dogs run across in front of me. And the only time I've nearly come off my bike is when I've not been paying attention and sort of run into a tree stump or something. Yeah, um, but yeah. you just don't you just don't have to worry about um about cars and that's yeah. one less thing to worry about and i, I also yeah. find that on days when the weather's bad yeah. um riding off road ten you're not moving as quickly um yeah. if it's wet you're not getting sprayed with water it's because it's it's muddy and so you're getting a bit of muddy but you don't feel like it was damp you tend to be in the trees a bit more so you just don't get as cold and yeah. actually you come back from a tough mountain bike or a tough gravel ride and your core's worked, your shoulders are tired. You get far more old body workout than you do yeah. Oh, um, yeah, with really. riding your bike, don't you? And, and um, there's a reason why most of these fell runners are, are, are such, well, most of these fell runners are also very strong is because they, they spend the time riding off road mm. uh, around the trails where they run. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, it's, it's just fantastic crossover. I, I, I just, you know, I think, I think personally it's the way forward. It's a, as well, I, I know people who've ridden on trails that were two miles from their house that they never knew existed until they got a mountain bike. Yeah, yeah. You can live in a city and, and you, you know, you can get on your mountain bike or on your gravel bike and probably in 10 minutes you'll feel like you're in the middle of the country. You can ride right through Leeds on yeah. the Meanwood Valley Trail and yeah. right down the, right from right outside my house down the canal, right into the centre of Leeds. Yeah. Uh, you've got to ride a few city streets, but you can, but, but then there's this trail that goes out and it's riding down all these alleys and this little path yeah. about 50 yards from the main road. And you would never know this was there yeah, it's brilliant. until you start exploring. And then you get a, you get a fantastic sense of relief, but also this, this sort of joy at having discovered something new that you never, yeah. that, that you never realized existed. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, no, it's so. good. It is brilliant. I, I love it. I um I've done quite a few mountain bike marathons and that over the years and it's just it's just great fun you know it's, mm-hmm. yeah 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 well let let's hope that um people listen to this and get onto the website which we will put a link for um okay. I, I think Xterra is a great format I, you know I've I've really got into gravel riding myself over the last few years and I I think that combining it with um swim and run. Um, is a great format. I hope it takes off for you, and oh, I hope thanks. it becomes another successful race like the rest of your um, sort of stable of events. Yeah, cheers for that. It, actually, it's doing quite good. So we set ourselves a target of four hundred uh, athletes in the first year, and we've already we're already over that. So, so, um, so it does look like people are kind of like mm-hmm. you know coming, you know, wanting to take part in something uh, a bit different, something a bit. So, so, so uh, yeah. So it looks looks like it's going to be a success. Brilliant. Well, best wishes with that. Maybe I'll see you there. Yeah, hopefully, yeah. Yeah. All right. Tim Lloyd, always aim high events. Thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Take care. Bye-bye now. Bye now. Thank you again to Tim for joining me as a guest on this week's High Performance Human podcast. To make sure you don't miss any episode in the future, please go to iTunes, search for High Performance Human Triathlon Podcast and subscribe. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please feel free while you're there to leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. And if you're not already there, you can find a link in the show notes below. In the introduction to this episode, I mentioned the benefits of our membership program, which include 
access to a growing library of training plans for a whole range of endurance events covering triathlon, duathlon, aquabike, swim run, right through to Grand Fondo cycle races, ultra trail runs and marathons and many more focus plans which will help you build mobility and strength as well as boosting specific aspects of your fitness like functional threshold power on the bike or threshold pace on the run. We also have monthly workshops which are exclusive to SWAT members, free access to educational workshops about things like sleep, stress management, nutrition and strength and a growing range of discounts on partner products that I believe in, I use myself and for which I do not get paid to promote. So if you'd like to learn more about this and access the member-only benefits, please visit my website, simonward.co.uk, click on the Work With Me button and then on the Swap button. And you can also find a link for this in the show notes below. You can find me on social media, on Twitter, Instagram and YouTube as a triathlon coach or triathlon coach. So hopefully I'll see you on one of those as well. So that's it for this week. Thanks again for joining me and I'll see you on the next episode.